Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Code Youngstown podcast. This is Neil Primer, and today we have Joe, as usual, returning. Hi. Uh, and today we have a, another guest, Lindsay. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, everyone. I am Lindsay Zoper. I am a Scrum Master over at Turing Technologies. Um, so I'm definitely involved in the Code Youngstown group, attend the meetings whenever we're able to meet, um, and yeah, just generally keeping up with technology and all that good stuff. Excellent. Well, thank you for coming on. Um, I would just kind of like to start with, could you tell us a little bit about your background in the Youngstown area? Like whether you grew up here, are you a transplant from another area? Um, just kind of how you ended up being here. Yeah, well, this is my home. I am definitely from here. I actually grew up in East Palestine, um, which is just about 30 minutes outside of Youngstown, but I attended school. I went to St. Charles, I went to Mooney, so I'm a, I'm a Youngstown person. I did leave, however, for college. Um, I went to Columbus, I went to Otterbein University, which is down there in Westerville. Um, but after about four years, I missed home, so I was you know ready to get a job, so I went ahead and did the usual college thing and moved back in with my parents. <laughs> and uh, I uh, ended up finding a job at Turning Technologies, which was really a up and coming company at the time. That was, oh, I think about 12 years ago now. It's It's been my one and only job, but I've definitely moved positions throughout the company. I have a degree in public relations, so technology was not sort of in my game plan. But Turning is a software company, and so they, after a few years of managing marketing, they asked me to do a different type of managing when I was there. So I moved into a Scrum Master role, and that's sort of the um, down and dirty version of how I got into the space. But yeah, I'm, I've always loved Youngstown. It's my home. My family's here. Uh, my husband's family's here, so we're I'm definitely committed to the community. Okay. Um, sorry, I'm getting a little bit of echo on my end. Uh, so what is it over the time that you've been here that's kept you in the area? Um, has it been just kind of that home feeling and the family or have you uh, looked at other areas and the possibility of relocating and decided to stay anyway? Yeah, I mean, there was definitely a thought when I finished college of staying in Columbus because it is such um, a nice growing city. But my family um, is pretty important to me. And I knew there were, you know, even though 12 years ago, it was a little bit um, down on terms of the employment rate. But I knew there were some bright spots to be had and turning ended up being a, a really a good one for me and a really good fit in terms of what I was looking for. Um, and I definitely think as we've stayed in the community and in the area that it's only gotten better, especially the job market. And even nowadays, I mean, there's the opportunity to work remote so many places that I don't really feel a need to uh, move anywhere else. I, I think there's, you know, it's, it's a great spot, even if you have a job in Cleveland or Pittsburgh, because you're smack in the middle of it. So you know, if you have to go into the office a couple of days a week, it's not really a killer. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people within the Code Youngstown group nowadays are, are working remote either for uh, companies in Pittsburgh or Cleveland, like you said, or for companies from other places. Um, 
All right, Joe, did you have any other questions to ask Lindsay around that topic or? I actually didn't know that uh, Lindsay was at Turning for 12 years. Could you talk a little bit about like the different types of positions and how you kind of manage to get into tech? Because I assume that isn't like you, uh, talking to you at the Code Youngstown meetings, you seem extremely excited about the uh, uh, different agile and scrum things that you're working on. But I assume you didn't start that way. And I'm just kind of curious how you ended up in this world. Uh, yeah, well, it's it's definitely an interesting story. Um, yeah, but like I said, I had a degree in public relations. And uh, for the majority of my time at turning about five years, I, I think my scrum master duties now outweigh what I did in marketing. I was in, um, I was in the marketing and I was doing the normal thing I went to school for. But again, I was doing marketing for software company. And so we had a whole third floor full of developers. Um, and, you know, we called it the third floor because there was you know, there were, everybody was scared to talk to developers <laughs> from the other floors. Um, but on the occasion that we did have to interact with them, I would always interact with the developers and the development team. And so when there was a need for a full-time scrum position, um, the third floor had switched over to the agile process, which, you know, like most technology companies did at the time, move from waterfall to agile, they really needed somebody in that dedicated role. And so because I had managed marketing, so I, I had experience with management and organization, um, they thought that, you know, I also was able to talk to the technology side of it if I would be interested in trying out a position as a scrum master. I didn't even know what that meant at the time. So I really had to do research on it. Um, I did get trained formally. We actually had um, classes that brought in the marketing team on product ownership. So I got certification in that. I just thought it was kind of neat, but didn't realize that there was going to be a job opportunity involved in it. So when they asked me if I wanted to try it out, I said, well, sure, I'll try it out. But, you know, give me the, the flexibility to come back to marketing, say, should I hate it? And they're like, yes, that's fine. That makes sense. Because it's such a drastic role change. Um, you know, and sometimes I do miss writing <laughs> a little bit. I, I tried it out for a couple months. And, you know, the key points that I really um, gravitated towards was the organization was, you know, you know, the checklist, making sure people are doing things. It's like air traffic control, pretty much. I'm just double checking on everything, making sure things are done, writing stuff down in, you know, we, we use that the Elastian tools of Confluence, working with Jira. Those were things that I had done in marketing as well, but I was taking an even um, more lead on some of those things. Um, I really, I really enjoyed doing that. So I said, yes, you know, let's, let's go for it. And I've been in that role ever since. Um, I now have a team with me as well, which is really nice to at least have another person I'm working with in a scrum master position so we can manage, you know, all the developers because the, the department itself has grown. Um, so yeah, it was just, it, it, I would say it was baptism by fire. I went up, I tried it, I liked it, but, and I got certified, did all, you know, the certifications, the courses, stuff that you need to do, but really you don't know the job until you're doing it. You really don't learn it until you have your hands dirty in it. Um, so yeah, it's been great. I really, really enjoyed it. I have, a fantastic team of senior developers and a wonderful CTO who's super supportive of the process, you know, backs the process 100%. So it's, it's really a, a good situation to be in. And 
definitely an interesting story when people ask me like how I came up <laughs> and it it's a little bit different, but um, it worked out for me. That's awesome. It, it's so interesting to talk to the, the variety of people in the Youngstown tech space, because there's a huge, I don't know if there's a difference, but there's a huge difference in stories between the people who kind of ended up in the roles and the people who like, that was what they, they knew what they wanted to do. And right. that's, awesome that you ended up you ended up in the position and were able to thrive in it yeah and like I said I had I didn't even know what that meant when they asked me if that's what I wanted to be um so yeah it's like it's still a confusing title (laughs) to most people um but if you're in the technology space you sort of know what it means and you know the easy answer I tell people I'm like yeah I just I yell at developers all day (laughs) So if someone's listening and they they hear you talk about your Scrum Master role and it sounds like something they'd be interested in doing, what would you recommend they they do? Uh, assuming that they're they're probably going to Youngstown State for um, maybe marketing as well, um, what what would you suggest they did? Well, so this is um, actually interesting too because the, the I've had two Scrum Masters. Who have worked with me um, and they did not, you know, there is no degree for being a scrum master. There is no degree for agile, um, but really the key concepts that you need um, are the ability to communicate with anybody and everybody. And now we've expanded agile in our company. So I'm working with all of our departments, literally finance, HR, marketing. Um, you need to be able to talk to anybody and make sure that your communication is clear make sure that you're, you know, on top of it and don't just make assumptions. So communication is really key. And, and that's actually a good background to have as well as um, a marketing uh, and organization. It's simply, you know, we are managers of the projects. We're making sure people are, you know, did you release this? Did you deploy it? Where are we at with this feature? Um, You know, and, and the ability to adapt because something that I actually, as part of my job as a scrum master, I'm, the administrator of JIRA, which is the tool that we use for development. And I had no idea how to do that. Um, I had to learn it on my own. There was nobody to teach me. They have some nice documentation, but it's a lot of trial and error. So you have to not be afraid to mess it up, <laughs> which I did quite a bit. I'm, I'm a little bit better now after working with it, but you have, you have to be able to learn things rapidly and adapt because that's kind of what Agile is all about. So you sort of have to follow suit. But communications is definitely a good background to have because of the organization skills, because of communication skills that you will need in this role. That's a, that's pretty interesting. Um, coming from a background that is uh, based in marketing rather than like a, a computer science or CIS background, um, what difficulties have you found in working with development teams and working with developers in uh that having more of a technical background might have helped with? And in what ways have you found that your marketing background has helped working with uh, those development and technical teams? Yeah, so definitely, I mean, not having a technical background, I sit in these conversations with developers. And I mean, as far as I'm concerned, they're speaking French. I have no idea what they're talking about. But I'm able to, after sitting with them for so long, I'm able to sort of put pieces together and sort of figure out, okay, does this need done before this? Is this a dependency for this? But it does take some time. 
So it's just a matter of sort of learning and growing with that. Um, I have a scrum master who's underneath me now and she's about a year in and she's just sort of picking some of that stuff up as well. But she, you know, she's a really fast learner. She was able to do that pretty quickly. Um, but it, but I told her we, she would be frustrated at first. I told her, listen, you're not going to get this. You just have to sit in the meetings and, and uh, sort of absorb it. And, but I've gotten to a point where I also have some core developers who'll be like, Hey, help me understand this. Talk to me like I'm five. And that, that's sort of how I have used my marketing skills to say, Hey, so I really want to learn this. Can you help me figure this out? Um, so you sort of have to market yourself a little bit to get that information, to pull that out of them, because I think developers are notorious for not being forthcoming in their communication. So having to do that is, is a little bit of a struggle, but you know, I, I get there eventually. Um, but it's also been a benefit in that I can sort of be a face for the developers in that I can help them communicate with other departments. Like they, if, you know, if they're not comfortable, if they don't have to, I have no problem. I'll talk to somebody. I'll send somebody an email. I'll hound somebody down. I'll find them. So that helps them overall um, in terms of I'm, I'm not afraid to sort of do that and I can help them with that. That's sort of something I can bring to the table for them. And they know I have their best interests at heart. Okay. I mean, it sounds like you do bring a lot to the table for the development teams and, uh, yeah, I'd just kind of like to hear a little bit more about, you know, for people who haven't worked in an agile methodology, they may not know really what a scrum master does. Um, could you talk a little bit more about, uh, you know, how, uh, I guess, how scrum works and how the agile methodology works from your perspective? Yeah, absolutely. And um, my company specifically, we've shifted a little bit from scrum to agile, but that's on development or scrum to Kanban rather um, on a development side, but the rest of the company has recently implemented scrum in their departments, which has been interesting too, because it's sort of taken me back to um, my roots of when I first started. So agile um, is a methodology of just quickly adapting and doing iterative pieces of features um, at a time. And it is the most predominantly used way to develop technology. And uh, really, I mean, you could sit down and I could tell you all about the meetings that are involved and things like that, but it's, it's a set of meetings and it's a set of documents that you really need to follow and sort into, um, in order to really develop in a, a particular manner and in a way that's going to be effective. Um, I like to compare it to the previous methodology that was used commonly was called waterfall, where you would develop over a a period of six months, you throw it over to quality assurance, they test it for three months, then you finally deliver to something to customers in nine months. Well, that's not very efficient when, you know, the world is rapidly changing, you need to get your features out to customers as soon as possible. So it's just taking pieces of features and putting them into bite-sized chunks and um, delivering them at a rapid pace, getting feedback from customers. And in order to do that, you have, like I said, you have to follow this methodology of meetings and documents and things like that that come from it um, in order to follow Agile and Scrum. And, and Scrum is a little bit more strict in terms of the things that you have to do. Kanban, which we've moved from a development standpoint, is a little bit looser and that there's not um, time box periods of time. You just work on things um, and try to estimate as best as you can. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I could go on an hour and give you guys a whole talk about that. But that's sort of a, a quick 
way to describe it. It's, it's methodology. And in order to do that as a scrum master, I have to oversee this process and this methodology, making sure the developers are having specific meetings, have specific outputs from those meetings, are documenting their findings, are using the tools that we have like Jira and Confluence. Um, so it's a lot of managing that aspect and managing that process. And I'm also, I will raise red flags if I think something's taking too long, or if I think a team member is stuck, or I think a team is struggling in this regards, I will get the senior developers involved um, and tell them, you know, this team needs your help, or we need some technical expertise to be added to this feature, or this developer is running out of stuff to do. Um, so that's, I am sort of, like I said, best way to describe it is air traffic control and managing the process, the development teams working um, with the senior developers as well as the product owners. And that's specifically important to the Scrum process is having dedicated product owners. So people who are going to derive the features to tell you what to do in what order. And um, I would say I talk to the product owners probably 90% of my day is interacting with them. And I don't think that's actually, unfortunately, common in a lot of cases because this, I think the Scrum Masters are more tied in with the developers, but I'm tied in very closely to both. And I think that really helps to, um, when you have that sort of vision into both of those sets of teams. And it, it really helps too when you have a strong group of product owners. I can't emphasize how important that is to the process because I know that there are a lot of companies that share that hat of product owner. And usually it's somebody who has another role. And I, I think it's so critical to the process to have a product owner driving the vision of that product and solely being a product owner. That's their one and only job. We've run into it before where we've had product owners that have shared responsibilities and it has just messed everything up. So that I think, you know, having those roles set, having those meetings, those documents, everything like that, that stuff really lends itself to a good and efficient, effective development process. Did that answer your question? <laughs> I went on a little rant. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, that uh, that gives a lot more insight into like how uh, different development patterns work. You covered a little bit, not just of like Scrum and Agile, but uh, you dove into Waterfall and, uh, and Kanban a little bit as well. Yeah, and I would say the, the key thing is behaving Agile and Scrum and Kanban, all that stuff. It allows you to get products, get features out to customers at a rapid pace using sort of this methodology established. And we've seen that. I mean, we're releasing almost every day we're releasing something from our teams. And it's it's incredible to see. And when I first started, that was not the case. We'd have like sort of built up releases and we've gotten better and better as time has evolved. And so now our releases are fast, um, effective, and we're really pumping out features to customers, which... As a scrum master, that just like warms my heart. That's exactly what I want to happen. I, th I think it's so interesting that it, you talk about having all these different roles. And I've historically worked at like smaller companies where the uh, people talk about agile and more of the, uh, you know, have a sprint every week and just try to get your stuff done and try to push releases out as fast as possible. And that's kind of where that stuff has like stopped for a lot of mm -hmm. my experience and it for the better or for the worse. And it's just so interesting how, um, mature, uh, turnings processes sound when you talk about how many different roles there are and 
and how they all work together to achieve certain things. And um, I, I think it's interesting because you hear a lot, like you read a lot about um, agile and people saying, oh, you have to have a scrum master. Oh, you have to have a product owner. And they they hear about it a lot in theory, but they don't really get to talk to someone like in your position who has actually seen like scrum put into process with all the the cogs that it, it requires and like have seen success. So it's, I, I don't know, every time we talk about like um, turning and, and the stuff you're working on, I, I feel myself get excited too, because that's just so awesome. Like hearing those kind of things happening in Youngstown and, and knowing the people who are a part of it. Yeah. I mean, and actually I've talked to, um, and I'm by no means it's turning perfect, but we really come a long way. And I think we've made strides and we can recognize when we need to make shifts and changes of things. And because people are so adverse to change naturally as human beings, I think that's hard to sort of wrap your head around, but we have a leadership group that's not afraid to make changes. And I think that's really key in that. So being able to change and, you know, saying, hey, this isn't working or, hey, we want to try this and being able to do that, having that freedom is is pretty incredible. Um, and I have talked to a lot of people who have left and gone on to other roles and they're like, oh, you guys really, I, I can't believe how good we had it, <laughs> you know, as they left because there's a lot of companies that they just started the agile process at a later point in time. And so they haven't gone through all the growing pains that we have. I mean, we, we did, you have to, and I, I think that's just a natural evolution. You have to go through those growing pains to figure out what works and what doesn't. And really there's no one size fits all that I can't emphasize enough. Like it's good to get started on scrum and to, you know, ad adhere to it by the book to get everybody sort of in that rhythm but as we were able to mature as teams, we could sort of loosen the restraints of Scrum. And that's why we moved to Kanban. You know, we removed sort of the time box that Scrum had around it um, because we went through some of those iterations and changes. And it, it's just time spent with it. Time spent with the process, I think, will help you grow. But it, it doesn't hurt. Like I said, we have a really great leadership team who gives us the freedom to fail and fail fast and learn from those mistakes and get better every day. That's absolutely awesome. Um, so if I, I think there's a lot of different uh, like companies in Youngstown and they all have different like levels of maturity in uh, like Scrum and in their process. If one of those teams wanted to get started with Scrum like today, do you have any advice for how they would go about it? I mean, my first advice would be to adhere to the roles that's Scrum, because that's something that we have not lost moving from Scrum to Kanban. I mean, that's nothing, that is not going to change. That's an agile process. It's not, you know, a flavor of Scrum or Kanban. You need a Scrum master, whether that's one or two or three, how it depends on how big your teams are. Um, and you need a product owner that's dedicated per product and per team um, to be able to move that vision for the product forward. So I would say putting those roles in place is probably going to be the most critical and having strong um, people in those roles. So we, the product owners, I, I, like I said, I can't emphasize enough. They have to own the vision. They have to make decisions. They have to be quick and they have to keep the team fed. They have to make sure that their team has enough work to do at all times. 
So they're the ones who are going to be on the front lines there. So establishing that that sort of A team, I think, is key. And then I would say just I think it's a natural progression to start on Scrum and get everybody in the habit of doing that. I would say you don't have to um, if your team matures and and wants to um, go beyond Scrum and go into Kanban things like that. I would I would say just at least give it some time. I don't think we moved away from Scrum for a couple of years. But if you're smaller teams, you might be able to move at sort of a quicker pace. Um, and I, I would just say evaluate it, take it day by day. We actually, we ran into issues where things were running over on sprints. And sprints, for those who don't know, is just, it's a two-week time box of in, in Scrum where you're so, supposed to say, hey, this is what we're doing for two weeks, nothing else. This is our sprint. At the end, you're supposed to have a releasable feature or something that you're able to you know, provide to your customers. Um, so we would have things that would roll over sprints, like things that we put into the sprints issues would constantly like move into the next sprint. We're like, well, why didn't we finish this? What's the problem here? Is this too big of a feature? Is this too big of an issue? Um, did you run into complications? Things like that. So we, they, you know, instead of making the sprints longer, which would be your natural inclination, oh, this stuff's taking too long. Well, we'll just move to three week sprints, that three week time box. We moved to one week sprints. We're like, Let's get this pain forward. Let's figure out what's really going on. And we found out that the developers were not making their issues small enough. And that's the whole key point of Agile is having these bite-sized pieces and delivering it to customers at a rapid pace. And our developers weren't, weren't sizing their issues small enough to where they, they could um, pump them out. You know, they, they weren't having the velocity that we thought that they should or they weren't at least having a steady velocity. It was up and down and everywhere, and we couldn't figure that out. So um, we were able to move to one-week sprints, and then once we went to one-week sprints, we did that for a very long time. Um, we really felt like we could sort of loosen the reins on some of that stuff. They were completing all their stuff before the end of, you know, if it was a week, you know, Friday afternoon, they'd be like, I don't have anything to do. Sprint's done. So we're like, all right, well, let's loosen the reins a little bit. Let's move to Kanban. So it was a continuous flow of delivery. There was no time boxes. And that has worked really well for us in terms of the developers we're working with are, are really mature. And we don't seem to run into those issues. We're constantly pumping out new features. Um, and ever since we made that change. So I would, again, Scrum is a great starter kit. I think Kanban is ultimately a more efficient way of working. Uh, but that's just been my personal experience with my personal teams. Uh, I think it's different it's going to be, like I said, no, not one size fits all. It's going to be different company to company. That just has seemed to work well for us. Okay. I, uh, I'm really interested in hearing a little bit more about how your team did planning and estimation for each individual sprint. And in the past, I've dealt a lot with using like team planning poker mm -hmm. story points for estimation. Yeah. I'd, I'd like to hear a little bit more about how your team was doing it before you we moved did, to Kanban. We did uh, pretty much the same thing, the planning poker. Uh, that was one tool we could use. I mean, our software itself is a voting system, so sometimes we would use that. Um, sometimes we just have people – I mean, we went through different flavors of it. Sometimes we had people who would, you know, just shout out numbers. But the fact that people were shouting out numbers and using story points – yeah, people would get influenced by that as well, which is, you know, why then we go back to planning poker. Ultimately, we told the developers, and this is the way we work now, we got rid of story points. We thought it was a giant waste of time to have 12 people sitting in a room figuring out the size of something. 
You need to just make the story small enough so anybody could pick it up and it's two to three days worth of work. That's sort of the rule we have instilled. But again, I don't think that's something you can immediately leap towards. I think you need to, you know, crawl before you walk. And I, I think having that story points and having that estimation will help people get in the mindset of making those stories small enough. So the one thing that we did when we sort of shifted to, um, before we shifted to no story points was doing t-shirt sizing. And that seemed to be a, a pretty good way of, of getting people's minds wrapped around this. But I, I think there's, you know, there's a no estimates, you know, hashtag no estimates or something like that <laughs> um, movement going on. And I'm, I'm definitely in that camp. I just, I do remember the painful meetings of sitting and hearing developers argue, is it a three or a five? Does it really matter? Can you guys get it done in two to three days? Great. Is it too big? Do you need to chunk a part of it off? Okay. Makes sense. Those are sort of the questions that you have to ask. Um, but as a team, you need to figure out how to work that the best way. So it, it just takes some time. But plannings ultimately were run by the product owners. because, Like I said, they're the ones who are driving the features. They're the ones who are saying, what do we do in what order? So they really need to be have that strong vision and figure out what needs to be done. So that's a full-time job. Like I said, it has to be a primary role for somebody. It cannot, they can't have other responsibilities. They have to flesh out the product. They have to keep the development team fed. It's a big responsibility. So that's definitely a, a one-person job. Not to be that guy. What is this planning <laughs> poker thing y'all are talking about? Oh, Because <laughs> apparently everyone else knows exactly what it is, and I'm the only one here that doesn't. So a quick explanation of it is when you're th assigning a story point to something, so how large is it? And um, in Agile and Scrum, they use the Fibonacci scale. You simply have cards, like literally playing cards, like you can buy them online. And people will grab a set of cards and then you'll... Um, as we're talking about stories in the planning meeting and saying, how, do, how big does everybody think it is? They'll hold up the number that they think it is. You know, is it a three? Is it a five? So it's, it's just a voting system for it. So it's kind of in the, the realm of the person working on it is not necessarily the person who decides uh, by, their, by, their by themselves how long something's going to take. It kind of uses I'm, the group yeah, mentality. It's, it's a team activity but quite frankly um one another reason why we got rid of story points is something is going to take longer to whoever is given it so it might be a story might be easy enough for a senior developer to handle one two days but may not be for a junior developer who may have to break it up into multiple stories so you have to consider that as well and, and i think that's another reason to sort of eliminate the story points because it's going to be different story points for everybody if you give it to me it's going to be a hundred so <laughs> I'll see you in a year. I'll get it done then. <laughs> yeah. One of my favorite arguments that has come up in uh, story point planning was, okay, we've, we've established that this is a three, but what does a three mean in terms of days right. or hours or. And people, and they, they always say, I mean, if you, you know, read books on agile, they'll, they'll tell you, oh yeah, it's, it's about the effort. Nobody associates effort with a number. They associate hours. So <laughs> it's not, I mean, that's just crazy talk. <laughs> I, I know that at Drund, we were doing the Fibonacci, Fibonacci sequence with hours. And that actually seemed really that nice. Seemed more where reasonable, somebody, yeah. Yeah, where we would decide, uh, 
hey, is it was kind of an argument about is this a small, medium, or large issue? Because it was basically t-shirt sizes where it was right. like either a one-hour issue, a two-hour issue, four, or an eight. And if it's above an eight, it's multiple issues. Right. And if it's an eight, it should probably be multiple issues. And I, I think it. I was around at Drund when they started doing uh, Agile. Um, so I, I think we had similar, like, uh, growing pains where the the hardest part was just being able and willing to break issues down into smaller right. and smaller pieces and accepting that hey something is going to be pushed into to master that like is only half the feature that we want but that's okay because yeah. you know a couple hours later the rest of it will go in and as long as it's not broken you know that's okay it's progressive yeah, it's it's hard to sort of see that. I think especially as a developer, they want everything to be done complete. They want everything to be, you know, quote unquote, done, done. Like this is, it's, but we have to also, from an agile perspective, you have to keep in mind that minimum viable product. Um, you know, it, it just needs to be small enough to deliver to customers to also get feedback. Because there's a lot of time where we will have conversations on features and they'll, you know, add an, oh, it'd be really cool if we could do that. And we're like, okay, well, that'll take another two weeks. We need to get this out to customers. And we also want to see, do we even need this? Should we talk to them? We should talk to them first, right? We shouldn't make assumptions. So that's also a key role of product owners is getting that customer feedback too. I mean, keeping that feedback loop healthy is is going to be incredibly important. Definitely. And, and I feel like it's great for like motivation too. Like uh, my favorite part about Agile is that I can break pieces like for example last night i was knocking some stuff out for work and i ended up making myself six issues that i was like each one is probably about an hour long issue and i ended up getting each one done in about 20 minutes half hour i was on a roll and that felt really good to you know mm-hmm. move the card over to the to right over to the right and be like ah yes i can commit i can push and i can actually release this yeah, it's it's definitely mental. I mean, there's a um, motivation behind it, so it's it's a nice feeling for sure to close some of those issues. So I'm I'm on board with that. Definitely. Um, one thing I wanted to kind of ease my way into was the a lot of people associate agile with the tools uh, more than the process. Uh, A lot of people say they, you know, we're agile, we use Jira, we're agile, we use Trello or or what have you. And I know that uh, at Turning, you use the Atlassian suite and you even run the local Atlassian user group. Yeah. Um, So this is my my segue into, would you like to talk a little bit about the Youngstown Atlassian user group? Absolutely. I'll give myself a plug. So Yeah. (laughs) Um, when I was at turning, like I said, one of the things I was tasked with, um, as I became a scrum master was being an administrator for Jira and Confluence. Um, I'm also an administrator for Slack as well. Um, but that's not, that's just, they have an integration with Jira and, and Confluence is not an Atlassian tool, but it's, it's really helpful to have that knowledge too. Um, and I, I really, this was more of a technical hurdle for me because I am not a developer and um, it's something that I had to learn and I just had to go through documentation. I had to watch videos. I had to figure it out, but I really enjoyed doing it surprisingly. And I really enjoy working with Jira and Confluence simply for the transparency that they provide 
And now, um, our due, you know, to the situation, we are all working remotely. Those tools have been so key to keeping the company going and moving and thriving as it is right now. I think we would be lost um, without them. So whether it's Atlassian or other tools, you have to have some sort of means in place, um, not only as a development team, but as a company, I think, to really keep that transparency going and enable remote work and things like that. Um, so because I had such a fondness for them, I went to, you know, my company sent me to a couple of Alaskan summits, which um, the, that was virtual this year. But we, um, I learned a lot going there because they're also very into the agile process. Um, they themselves are an agile company and they have sort of pioneered some of the, some of the things that we at Turning ourselves use. They have some playbooks and some tools that we've adapted as our a standard of our own. It, it was so much more than just the tools that I really uh, latched on to the company. And so I started a user group um, here in Youngstown. There is not a ton of users within the area, but we have a small little niche of people who do use it. And now we're going to more remote meetings as well, you know, for obvious reasons. It, it, anybody can join. It doesn't matter if you're in the Youngstown group or not. Um, they're just free little webinars and it just helps us learn about agile and learn about the tools that are available, um, for you and just sort of expand your mind and some of that. It is a nice way for technology folks to get together as well. So it was free for me to start Atlassian backs everything, which is lovely, but obviously they want, um, I would, they want, uh, people using their tools. So they were very supportive of me starting it here. I did have to go through an approval process, but they've, they've been nothing, like I said, supportive. That's awesome. Um, are there any upcoming Atlassian user group meetings coming up? So we just had one last week. Again, that was a virtual sort of lunch and learn. I'm hoping to have another one probably the beginning of June. Um, if you literally, um, if you go to, and they, they've rebranded because they wanted to include more of the community members who are on their uh, their boards, I, I would say there's a, there's a whole community out there you can ask questions and get answers and things like that. It's called Atlassian Community Events. So I think the, um, it's called, the website is aceatlassian.com and you'll find the Youngstown one. You can click on there and join our chapter and you'll get notified of, you'll get a weekly newsletter and you'll get notified of upcoming events, things like that. Awesome. So yeah, it's just, a, it, like I said, it's, it's, we don't always talk about Atlassian stuff. A lot of the time it's more agile um, so that we can get more people involved, you know, but when you talk about Agile and we talk about some of the practices and things that we do, we naturally will go to, well, we use Shear for this, we use Confluence for this. Um, it's just, those are sort of the Cadillac tools of development. Um, they really are. I, I think I've, I've heard from other people who have tried other things and they're like, oh my God, I miss Shear. I miss Confluence so much. And one of the key things about those tools is too, it's highly customizable. So I'm in there nearly every day and sort of tweaking things for how we want them to work, which is really flexible. I know that's also one of the things that people say they don't like about uh, Jira is that it's so flexible. That that there's so many different settings true. and switches and knobs, but it, it seems that if, yeah, if, if you are able and willing to put the time in, Jira right. seems to be amazingly superior to anything else. It really is. Yeah. It's, it, they don't, they certainly give you, I think too many options. Like there, 
I try to, when I train people on using it, when we onboard new people, I'll be like, well, you can move an issue in this way, or you can move an issue in this way. And it's, I wish there was, sometimes I wish it was more simple and just be like, you close that you had done here. You don't have to go to the drop down. It, you know, it just, it does offer a little bit of complication, but once you get the hang of it, you get the hang of it. There's nothing sort of new to sort of learn there. All right. Is turning on a cloud instance of Jira or are they on like a local instance? We actually are on the server versions. Um, we have considered moving to cloud a couple times. We're just, to be honest, we're just moving so quickly that we don't want to disrupt our developers and moving to cloud because it's different, a little bit of a different user interface. Um, and I will be 100% honest, the transition from server to cloud is a lot logistically. So it was it's beyond what i can do it's it's more of an it process to do that gotcha the reason i ask is because there's the jira next gen yeah i really i'm jealous of that <laughs> it's kind of nice i mm -hmm. i can't exactly put my finger on on why it's nice but it seems to be a little bit slicker uh there seems to be a couple less options um so I, if you are listening and you tried Jira before and you're kind of turned off by it because of all the, the bells and whistles and options, there's a lot of uh, the next gen version has some really cool ways to just, you know, click a couple buttons and it has a really nice default uh, setup with that's really fast now. Yeah, I've heard um, nothing but good things about the next gen projects and uh, I think eventually our goal is to transition to cloud. So I'll love to test that out whenever we get it. Definitely should. Um, I think that's all the questions that were on my list. Neil, did you have any on yours? Um, no, I found this to be a, a really good conversation. Lindsay, is there is there anything that you wanted to uh, talk about, about the uh, tech scene in Youngstown or uh, anything you didn't cover regarding the Atlassian user group? Uh, or is there anything you'd like to plug? No, I mean, you guys did the plugging for me. So I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, yeah, and we're always looking for developers at Turning. Um, if you want to go to our website and, and see if there, there might be some positions open. If not, we'll always take resumes. So it's nice to get some new faces as well. And I'm, I'm hoping that we'll be able to expand even in the future. All right, great. Um, well, you know, thank you for joining us today, Lindsay. It was a good conversation and uh, we'll see you around Slack. Awesome. Thanks, you guys. Bye now. Thanks, Lindsay. Right. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the Code Youngstown podcast. Once again, my name is Neil Primer here with Joe Dunko and Lindsay Zoper. And thank you for listening.